This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hi, my name is Kieran Culkin, and I feel like goal achieved about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Very excited about today's episode. I know sometimes it can seem like I say that when that's just me filling space or my reptile brain saying, I'm excited for the show today, but I am. I am excited for the show today. And I'm always excited to be with my good pals, my buddies, my chill chums, Sona Movsesian. Hello. And uh, Matthew W. Gorley. No, it's not my yeah, name. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> it is now. That's the kind of power I have. I can just assign you a middle name. Your middle name is Wenzelslaus. <laughs> Matthew okay, take it. <laughs> Wenzelslaus Gorley. And Sona is not even your real name, no. Sona. No, Movsesian. it's not. Your real name is Talene. Talene Sona Movsesian. That's my name. I didn't know that for a while. And you were working with me for like a year or two when we had to show our ID somewhere. I forget if we were traveling, whatever, we had to get our IDs out. And it said, I saw that it said Talene mm -hmm. Mosesian. Yeah. And I thought, why has she been lying about her name? Lying? Well, it's not your name. No, but- Your name, you tell her when your name I is I mean, Sona. I don't know if Andy talks about this, but Andy goes by his middle name too. What's his first name? Andy yeah, Richter? his first name is Paul. What? what? Yes. I've been friends with him for almost 30 years. Yeah, my first name is Wenceslaus. <laughs> well, that I just assumed. Okay. When I found out that you carved your own little fifes and played them mm -hmm. to amuse yourself, um, I, I assumed you had a name like Wenceslaus. Or was it Wenceslaus? Uh, I've been drinking. Anyway, the point is, again, I say that when I yeah. have lost my way. I was, yeah, Andy goes by his middle name too. It's a, I think it's normal. I think I knew that. I think Andy told me that a long time ago during a commercial break. And I think yeah. I said, shut up. I got to get back to interviewing this guest, oh. which I, sh oh. I should have listened to him more. But you were at a commercial break. I know. I think I, mean, I just was trying to stop the conversation. It was very rude. <laughs> okay. What's your middle name? Christopher. Hmm. Conan. Why? Christopher O'Brien. Hmm. It's nice, but did your parents name you after... Probably St. Christopher. I, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't think there was yeah. a Christopher in the family. It's funny because everyone else in my family has a name and a middle name that connects to something else. And then when my parents got to me, I was the third. They completely threw a Hail Mary. They were like, we're calling him Conan. Yeah. What the hell? That's nobody's name. Uh, and then his middle name is going to be Christopher, which I don't think, I don't think there's a Christopher that I'm related to in the past. So I think with me, they saw the red hair. I'm the only redhead in the family. They saw this bright orange hair and they just thought, ah, screw it. Let's just yeah, go Yeah, and it. you were in the middle. It's weird that they stopped. Like, it's not like they ran out of names. It was like, it was like you were bored and they were like, oh. It's like one. they just took a break. 
Yes. Well, I think in a lot of ways they did when it came to me. Yeah. <laughs> I took a break in caring. Took a break in you're, loving. You're the personification yeah. of a smoke break. Take five, everyone. <laughs> I know. My real name is uh, Conan is Gaelic for take five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my an old fives. Irish name. Hey, yeah. Take a Conan, everybody. Yeah, and then and then right after me, they are right back to you know right names that are in the it. family. So it's Neil, it's Luke, and then huh, third one. Who wants a third one? Ugh, Conan, <laughs> I guess. What about a middle name? Christopher, I think, is somebody. And then um, then right back, they're like, yeah, Kate, we're excited again. Jane, woo, Justin, woo. <laughs> so I don't know what happened with me. They got excited again after you. It was kind of like- Yeah, some girls oh, started showing- Let's show- fix what we did. You're yeah. just intermission. <laughs> I think Sona has it right. Let's fix what we did. <laughs> <laughs> we can't when, end on this. When you give birth to the devil- <laughs> You then, do you know what I mean? They, that's the part of Rosemary's baby they don't talk about is Rosemary yeah. had a bunch of kids afterwards to kind of make up. And they're really good kids for the devil baby. Yeah. yeah a bunch of really good kids. They, they worked for the Peace Corps and they did a lot of, they're just great. They're really nice graphic designers. Uh, they help out a lot in the neighborhood. They don't talk about their devil sibling. No, ever, God, ever. no. Like Every now and then. Know. They're just great. And everyone's having a wonderful time. With that family, and then every now and then, oh God, here it comes. Who's that? It's, my, it's our oldest brother. <laughs> <laughs> Would anyone like to sign a contract <laughs> with this flaming pen made of lava? Um, we're cool. We were just going to go to uh, Boston Market and get a get some... Get some turkey sandwiches. I would like to join you. Well, if it's cool, we'd like to leave you behind. I was the firstborn of Beelzebub. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're going to get some turkey sandwiches. If you could get me the coleslaw they make, that stuff is killer. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. We'll pick up coleslaw. I appreciate it. Turns out he's very polite too. <laughs> Let me chip in. No, it's just coleslaw. No, I insist. No, no, seriously, we got it. I think I'd like to buy for the group. You know, you're actually pretty nice. Well, that's how I get you. That's how I get you. I lure you in. Remember, you'll know the devil because he'll be the one that offers to pay for the group at Boston Market. <laughs> really? That's how you'll know the devil? Oh, trust me. I got this for the group. And get some sodas while you're at it. It's on me. <laughs> Wow, devil, oldest devil brother from <laughs> Rosemary Baby. You, you're just nicer than I thought you'd be. Well, there are misconceptions about me. Anyway, my <laughs> guest today. Oh, wait, you have a podcast? <laughs> yes, of course, everyone does. Everyone has a podcast now, so why not the son of the devil? <laughs> but first, a word about Fracture. No, Fracture? No, oh, no. Why get a picture on paper when you can get it on glass? Fracture prints. <laughs> I bet they're not even in business anymore. Oh, they're not. Trust me. Once the devil starts advertising for you, your company goes in the shitter real fast. I get paid by Burger King not to mention them. <laughs> All right. Uh, my guest today plays Roman Roy in the Emmy award-winning HBO series Succession. Uh, I can't tell you how thrilled I am that he has joined us today. I am a mega fan. Kieran Culkin, welcome. When I was like 13, 14, something like that, I made these few career goals for mm -hmm, myself. Mm -hmm. Sort of weird to do at like 13, 14, I guess, but I've been acting for a while. But um, one of the three was to be on your show, Late Night, because I was oh, always a huge fan of that. Thank you. Never got to do it. Never got to and do it. And then you had a couple other shows. Kept trying to get on them, and now I'm here, and this is actually like ticking off one of those. That's so cool. Well, box. this is one. This is actually the best way to do it because we get to really have a conversation, as opposed to 
six minutes. Let's show a clip and, you know. Exactly. You, the pre-interview said that you're going to tell this really funny story that maybe doesn't go over well with the audience. Let's bring out the masturbating bear. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I should keep interrupting you today with the masturbating bear. That would be great. And it's when, and it's when you're going to reveal something that you haven't told anybody else. And I'm like, get him in here. No, but it is. It is a better format. I've been listening to the show lately. And I was like, oh, this is like, you know, 45 minutes of listening to you and John Lithgow have a conversation is fantastic. Yeah. And, and you know, I was really psyched that you could do this because it's funny. We don't know each other. The first time I really saw you perform, like, you know, and be the center was Igby. Mm-hmm. And I love that movie. I really love Igby and I love your performance in it. And there's a moment in that movie. Every now and then a movie has a moment. uh, A movie comes along and it has a moment that gets to me. And I don't know what it's all about. But when Jeff Goldblum's character punches Igby, Mm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought that was such, and I've talked to Jeff Goldblum about that. And I've said that moment like got to me because he's such a genial character and you're you're so sympathetic, but you crossed a line. And I know that you made that movie and people loved you in it and that you were, I think in a healthy way, kind of suspicious of, Yeah, I kind of don't want, I want to keep this thing under control. Yeah. I don't want to go. I was, I was 18. I actually did recently go back and watch it for the first time in a long time. And I remember that moment, um, which genuinely was terrifying. I was like, what, like 120 pounds, 5'7", and here comes Jeff Goldblum, who's a very large, powerful man. Um, and I also remember we had a stunt coordinator who tried to turn it into like a fight sequence. He wanted me to like try to defend myself or do something, and I just said, can he just can he just like beat the shit out of me? Can we just do it that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jeff just grabbed me, and it was just the most terrifying thing in the world. Like his fist is about the size of my face. Um but I went, I went back and like looked at it, and it's crazy because I was just a kid pretending that I could like keep up with these people. Mm-hmm. They all knew how to do their job. Like Jeff Goldblum was extremely impressive, and I just was trying to act like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do the same thing. I'm, a, I'm an actor too. I can, I can, I can, <laughs> I can do what he does. And, yeah, yeah. You know, make choices and things like that. But I was otherwise a pretty terrified guy. And to that point of like being a little skeptical, uh, I mean. I was about 18, 19, 20 when that movie came out. And uh, I guess because of that, I started having what people were calling a career mm-hmm. and, you know, a career that I never once decided for myself I actually wanted. I've been doing, I guess when I was six or seven years old, they said, hey, I want to be an actor. That's not really like forging a career path. I don't think that's really the right age to go. Hey. Well, it's also the age when you say, I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Except I was in space. You know, like suddenly people can say anything when they're six or seven. <laughs> I'm going to be president. I mean, uh, and so, you know, saying, uh, I mean, every six or seven year old says, I'm going to be an actor, you know, and people are going to know my, you know, and, and so uh, I remember thinking, I'm going to be in show business and people around me are like, sure you are. And after a while, you're like, oh, I guess this is what it is. I guess I'm doing it. Similar to you, I was probably about 36, 37 when I was like, hey, I think I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be an actor because I- I, (laughs) You've literally been doing it since you were like three. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, but it- it, But I I didn't know if I was doing it or not. Now I feel like, oh, I know, I think I know what the job is when I look around and I go, oh, this is what people, I guess you just think there's going to be a clear moment where you go- oh, now I know what acting is, I'm going to do it. Or now I know what blank is, you know, because otherwise until then I felt like an imposter and now I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing. So I guess I'm doing it. And it's funny because you, you know, famously and your brother who I I, I got to know, um, you know, pretty well, got started so young Mm -hmm. that it would be shocking to people to hear you say, yeah, I think I figured out this is what I want to do when I'm 36, when there's actual, there's like footage of you yeah. as a fetus, you know, with a top hat and yeah. a play. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. but people wouldn't believe it, but I understand. I understand yeah. what you're talking about. It's that feeling too. I remember like, uh, maybe this doesn't connect. Maybe it does. I don't know. But, so, you know, whenever I would feel insecure about what it is I'm doing, I look and see other people are doing it. And sometimes, okay, here's the, in comparison, I'm going to make that may not make sense. I was very late to getting my driver's license. I was about 28, mm-hmm. I think 29, because mm-hmm. I grew up in the city, didn't need one. And I remember thinking, it's too late. I'm I'm too old to learn this. I was behind a car. <laughs> and I was like, I know it's just a pedal and a wheel, but I can't figure this out. I have no idea the pedal part. <clears throat> I freaked out. And then I remember looking on the street and looking at what were clearly morons driving cars. Yeah. And I thought, I'm not a moron. Everyone else can figure this out. I guess I can too. 
But that said, I'm still nervous every time I get behind the wheel of a car. Yeah, I'm nervous when you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen, just picturing you driving terrifies me. It should. <coughs> um, My wife's having the same moment. She's in her 30s and she's never driven and she's like, it's too late for me. She's she's absolutely doesn't want to try because she's like, it's too late. Right. I had my shot. There was a narrow window yeah. <laughs> between 16 and 17. And once that closes, you can no longer drive. Yeah. I had this moment when I watched you host. I'm a massive, like just about everybody, I think in the world, massive Succession fan. And it's the show that, you know, my wife and I watch together and there's like, we wait and it's cure it comes and let's cancel all our appointments and <laughs> let's tell our children that they must go to other homes uh, because we need to watch Succession now and really concentrate. So I'm a massive fan. And then I watched you host Sound Out Live and you did a great job. You were terrific. Thank you. The thing that I really connected to was in the monologue, I wrote there a million years ago. I know, yeah. Um, back when it was in black and white. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we all smoked on camera. This sketch brought to you by, <laughs> by Marlboro, the, the cigarette for funny gentlemen. Uh, but when I was writing there, the monologue was the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally there'd be, obviously there's like a, a Steve Martin or there are these people that are naturals or they're comedians and they have their, their thing all worked out. But for the most part, the monologue was where I saw people completely naked. Mm -hmm. and, and so you came out in your monologue and you're so yourself mm. and likable and honest. Like mm. you were, you weren't, being a guy who was hosting SNL, you were yourself completely mm. and really funny and charming. And That's I was like nice. thinking, I worked there. I know how hard that thing is to crack. Yeah. And to just walk out there and say, hey, I'm Kieran and and be funny and witty and yourself and then say, let's get the show going. And I watched that and I thought, yeah, there's something special about this guy. Oh, so, man, thank you. This is like, that's a dream come true to hear. Told you that I had three goals, one of them was to host SNL and others to do your show. So being on your show and hearing you say that is kind of amazing right. for me. Um, the third one was kill Conan O'Brien. No, the other one, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Be other on one, his show and then kill him. <laughs> the other one you're also associated with, actually, because, uh, and I haven't gotten there yet, but I want to do a voice in The Simpsons. Are you, you kidding? I mean, yeah. they'll hear this <laughs> and you'll get a call tomorrow from Al Jean <laughs> saying, what do you want to do? So Great. they would love to have you Tick on the Take it off all within like a month span of time. That would be great. Um, uh, thank you for that because that's really what I was hoping to do. And thankfully, apparently this year and last year, uh, they're, the SNL have been focusing their monologues more on just like it being personal about – because I, I didn't want to go up there and do kind of a sketch. Yep. I kind of – I didn't want it to be about – I don't know. me. I just wanted to take it in as like a real life experience. Yes. I just wanted to like talk about it. Um, no, and that's why I think – was. I mean if you had come out and said, hey, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Kieran, and it's really great to be here hosting Starting Out Live. Woo! And I just want to say uh, yes and, you know – Suddenly, someone stands up in the audience, and mm -hmm. it's a sketch. Mm -hmm. um, those are fine. They're fun sometimes, yeah. And they're f and they're fine, and sometimes they can be quite funny. And there are people that need that. Mm -hmm. But that yeah. was special because it's very hard for people to do that. And um, I just thought it was like really yeah. lovely, and 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 you really connected with me as a viewer. I'm just a, I'm a guy watching Saturday Night Live. Uh, and you came out and I was like, oh my God, you know, I can't wait. I knew you'd be coming on. And I was thinking, I can't wait to talk to this guy. Oh, wow. Um, and also the, damn, that Rhode Island morning show sketch. Uh, oh, yeah. The turkey. <laughs> turkey thing. Where, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my favorite thing is that the grand, if you, anyone listening, if you haven't seen this sketch, uh, it's really funny. I love sketches where things in the background are betraying what the person in the foreground is trying to do. I know that sounds, but you'll understand. It's just, yeah. you're totally, you've prepared this really stupid rap song about Christmas and you've got all these graphics behind you and then the news suddenly turns very serious. You're dressed in a very compromised costume, <laughs> but the graphics keep coming up behind you of rapping 
turkeys and turkeys stuff. and stuff. And yeah. you're, t- you know, there's loss of life. <laughs> you're having to, and you're apologizing. Yeah. And the graphics keep rolling. And I thought, what a, I mean, that's just a, I thought that yeah. was a classic. I mean, the ocean great. took children away is, is like the big joke. <laughs> the ocean like, took what happened them. to the children? The sea took them. <laughs> this is the punchline. It's pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. It's very dark. <laughs> and you're, you're dressed uh, like a turkey. Yeah. And the whole thing is stupid. But uh, that I don't was know. a I love dream. That. Thank you. Because I just like you, you ha- having a moment of being in a turkey suit. I have to walk onto the stage right before the sketch starts and turn and look up at my wife in the audience who takes a moment to realize, oh, that's that's my husband in a turkey suit. Right. That was a moment I was like, I'm hosting SNL. This is real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 knowing I know that look well. I've been married a long time and my <laughs> wife, I love her and she supports me in everything I do, but there've been many times I've looked out and I'm wearing a diaper. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting in a, a giant, you know, uh, thing of custard. Um You hope and, it's going to lead to the charm of, you know, the relationship. Exactly, but, right. And you basically, know. uh, you know, she, I see her second guessing her choice <laughs> of mate, but we we plow ahead. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I uh, you know, I think one of the things that's been so great, obviously Succession is a wonderful show and it's it's got everyone's attention, but man, your character, Roman, it's such such the perfect part for you, but also you've done so much with it. Mm, yeah. And I can't, I, I think everyone listening would agree, like, I can't, there's no one else who could do Roman or bring <laughs> Roman to life. Like, I don't, there's no other actor who could do that part. I think it's perfect. Wow. But I found out that that's not the part that you were considered for yeah. when you went in for it. And I yeah. thought, that's impossible. How could you not be Roman? Not not just that. I found out. So, yeah, they sent it to me to read for Cousin Greg, which I just immediately felt I was not right for. Like, I just, the first couple of words out of Greg's mouth, I was like, that's a great character. I can't play that for whatever reason. Right, right. But I also just found out recently that Jeremy Strong had asked to play Roman. Oh. Uh, that I just found out the other day. So... I was so he's to- he's Kendall. He's the oldest brother, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, he's a terrific actor. So, but I again, I find that hard to. I, I can't picture that. Yeah, he was a, he was attached early on. Like when it was sent to me, it was like uh, they're working on a deal for Brian Cox to play Logan, and Jeremy Strong is attached. That was what I heard. And then I said, I'm not right for Greg, but hey, I would like to audition for Roman. And the response I got back was, uh, they're not auditioning Romans just yet, but I picked three scenes, put myself on tape, and just sent it in anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, that takes uh, – I mean, that's 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 initiative. Yeah, that is- it was. It was like, I know I can do this one, and I know I can't do the rest, so there isn't any other space for me here. And uh, I also just assumed they wouldn't even look at it if the responses were not auditioning Romans yet. Like, okay, well then, I'm just going to put it out there, do with it what you want. And I had the best time, like, just working on those scenes and putting myself on tape. Like, I had the single best day. What was your first line? Do you remember the first line? Is, first is line Roman? is, hey, hey, motherfuckers. That's, that's. <laughs> and that's when you knew. That's when I knew. That's, I am this guy. <laughs> yeah. I like the way he talked. And then by the end of the episode, he's tearing up a, a check for a million dollars in front of a child. And I thought, that guy, please. <laughs> that one. <laughs> that seems like a really fun day of work. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am always impressed when an actor can take the worst person in the world, one of the worst people I've ever seen, depicted, and I want to hang out with that guy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 
I don't I don't want Roman in charge of my life. I don't mm-hmm. want him to have too much power over me, but I'd love to spend a day with Roman. Right. Um, a day. And a that's day. Right. A day. And then I want uh, to be safely away from him. Right. But um, <laughs> there are times we do scenes in like uh, it's a room and we're trying to it's business. We're trying to talk business and all Roman does is disrupt it. And when we finish the scene, I go, why do they keep inviting him back to the room? <laughs> like, he did nothing to help this at all. And he just disrupted like, everything. Yeah. It's the thing I'm always wondering who is hiring the three stooges. <laughs> so I'm, you know, when I watch you as Roman, the verbal stuff is so much fun, but I'm also watching uh, your physicality. You'll come into a room but you're always torqued, twisted, and and then you're kind of sort of leaving the room, but you're still talking, but you're not sure where you're going, and uh, you have all this nervous energy and mannerisms, and I sometimes think, is is any of that you, or I, I is that- I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not too aware of it. I didn't notice the sitting thing until people brought it up. I think that was the first season, was like, oh, look, this guy doesn't know how to sit in chairs and I had to see like a few images and going like oh I guess that was just one choice and then it looked when you put it as a series yeah that's sort of bizarre uh, and I think some people think that that's written in the script like but it's not I don't think you could write no. that in the script you yeah. couldn't write that you couldn't write and, and there'd be no way to describe what you do as Roman because he's it's indescribable, and I haven't seen anybody quite do that. But I look at it and I think he can't sit in a chair because that's a commitment. Like <laughs> maybe you know, like that's I mean, a good that's one. that's my take. You could be right. He comes into a room and and he's not sure he wants to be in that room. And you know, other people sit in chairs, and you know, Logan, the the, the patriarch, can sit in a chair and a throne and say, "Fuck you, you're out, you're in. We're buying you, we're selling you," and you're. Twisting and squeezing, and and you're half in, half out. I think that's an interesting. I try not to analyze it, anything like that too much. Well, I, I want to ruin like the character working. for yeah. you because <laughs> now I'm going to be aware of yeah. it. Yeah, shooting season four. People listening to this right now are going to be so furious that <laughs> all the reviews for the next season are going to be like, he seems like somebody got in his head. All he does <laughs> is sit down. He doesn't move at all. He doesn't even move his hands. He just sits clutching the armrests and doesn't move. He lashed himself to a chair in one episode. It made no sense. Yeah, <laughs> there, was also, one, there was one yeah. episode, there was one scene we shot where Mark Mylod asked me to sit down and we sort of did that first rehearsal and I got up and I just moved to the corner of the room and I think I was behind some flowers or something. And I said, does this, can I, can I just like be here or vaguely in this area? He goes, I knew you were going to say that. I really need you to sit down this time. <laughs> he goes, please try it for me. And then Jesse Armstrong, the showrunner, came over and they both just said, can you just try it this once? We kind of knew you were going to do that, but we really need you sitting for this moment. Right. And I tried it and, you know, they were right. But that whole time I felt really uncomfortable. I think I'm hugging a pillow or something. Right, right. Because I just didn't know how to just sit still and and say words. Well, it's um, to me, another thing that, that talks to me or speaks to me a lot about succession, which is something I think you and I have in common is we both we both come from big families. Mm-hmm. I'm one of six. And, one of seven. And you're one of seven. And- I think you have to come from, it really helps, I would think, to come from a big family because so much of that show is the Roy's, the way they treat each other mm-hmm. seems completely outrageous. The The Roy family has taken that to an extreme. Yeah. I don't say, I don't see my brothers and say, oh, look, it's fucking fuckhead. Um, <laughs> you, you <laughs> I tried it once and it yeah. didn't go well. But- it Works fine in my family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works just fine. Happy Not, fucking birthday, fuckhead. Yeah. You piece um, of shit. Why are you so ugly? See you. <laughs> see you. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> but I mean, it's so funny because you guys as siblings- there is that kinetic, you're terrible. You speak terribly to each other, but there's also a bond because mm-hmm. you all are united in the fact that you've got this impossible father that yep. you're all trying to please. I mean, it really gets dark between all of you, mm-hmm. but you, you're, none of you are going anywhere. And, That's it. And it's, it's, there's always that thing that nobody else has that experience except each other with their father, the, the life that they've had. But there, that's actually... That's where the freedom lies to be as horrible as possible. Anybody else I, that Roman could say that stuff to, that's it. That's the end of the relationship. I can, I can say as Roman to Kendall, I hope you die and then also see you at Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's very much Adam's family kind of darkness. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there's a – I don't know. I, I think it's also crucial to me. You could play Roman as a total screw-up. But I love when you see these great moments of him being pretty good, being yeah. smart and being competent and being able to kind of 
take care of some things and be impressive mm-hmm. and show. And every character has those moments where you see yeah. that there's real ability there. And as a viewer, that keeps me in it because oh, it's kind of exciting to watch. There have been a couple of moments where you've really kind of helped save the day. Yeah. Um, well, nobody is ever like in life. This is going to sound really stupid and simple, but it's like nobody, nobody is one thing, right? And like, I feel like a lot of times in TV, if the character's horrible, that's kind of just it. Um, so that definitely would have to credit the writing. I mean, the I mean, I'd ever, the whole show is the writing. It, yeah. That's that's what makes I I enjoy watching the show, but I would credit the writing for that. It's like thank you for not just making this guy the one note. Like whenever it feels a little bit like oh it's becoming Roman, uh, we get rewrites and it changes, and there's a lot more depth to the character that's in there if that, that right. makes yeah. any sense when it's sometimes we, we get like a table read script and i'll something i'll see like a little red flag and i'll go i don't know why but this doesn't feel right and instead of going to the writers and saying here i have a concern i kind of just wait and every single time there is a new draft with a rewrite that actually they've been able to identify what the problem is and solve it before and you I haven't, haven't, had to you say haven't said a word no i haven't said a word it happens every single time now talking about all that stuff on a very shallow level mm-hmm. i watch the show and there have been episodes where you're all in England and you're on like a fox hunt or something. <laughs> and the show is over. And I say to my wife, oh, my God, those jackets they were wearing. And then <laughs> I must have that jacket. And she'll say, you don't have a falcon. Why would you need a falconer's jacket? And I'll say, but it was so cool. It was quilted and it had that leather patch and mm-hmm. it looks so fucking cool. I got to have that jacket. And she's like, you can't have that jacket. <laughs> You know, can I have the shot? No, you can't have a shotgun. Uh, oh, wow. But the stuff is so Do cool. Do you like Google the stuff? Like what were they wearing? Well, here's the in thing. The- I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling everybody, if there was a site. Clothes like for success, from succession. Clothes from succession. If there was a site, I swear to God, and if you could all get a little piece of that site, <laughs> I'd never see you again. You'd yeah. be the richest man in the world. Because, <laughs> you know, and you'd see people walking around Manhattan you know, dressed for a fox hunt <laughs> who are just going to get a gelato, you know? Yeah. But uh, I, I, I'm i just- I heard you say in, in, in the interview with Adam McKay, I remember hearing you say that because I had never done that before, but recently I watched uh, Only Murders in the Building mm-hmm. and so many times I went, what is Martin Short wearing? Yeah. I've looked up his coat, his jacket, his scarf. Like yeah. I want his, I, I, I looked up who's the costume designer in case maybe I worked with that person so right. I could reach out and say- we might be the same size. Can you just give me his stuff? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but, but they got it screwed up. They just keep sending you uh, Selena Gomez's clothes. <laughs> Which is great, and too. And you wear them. They're, and they're nice you look, coats. You look incredible. She wears a different coat in every scene. So, you know, I got a large wardrobe There are now. scenes where coats. she goes to use the restroom and comes back in a different coat. <laughs> there is. And she's in a restaurant. She's not even at home. Um, yeah, I, I, in a very shallow level, the, the Roy family, because when I worked on The Simpsons, people would ask me, um, who's your favorite character to write for? And they would always assume I was going to say, well, Homer or Bart. And I would say, it's Mr. Burns. Oh, because yeah. when you give someone unlimited wealth and make them evil, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. So anything you could imagine. So he's got a hyperbaric chamber in the basement. <laughs> um, he's whatever. He's got uh, hounds that he releases at night when the party's over to attack people. <laughs> he's the hounds. So great. You know, there's just all these things that you can think of that anyone, that, that writers can think of. And, it would get to the point where they would say, you guys, stop pitching Mr. Burns stories because it's all we want. It's all I wanted to do. And I realized that there's something about succession where um, there's a part of it that's almost this kind of materialistic porn for me where I'm mm-hmm. watching the way you guys live and what you're wearing. And I know I could never pull that off, even if I could have it. <laughs> but I but I love that you guys can say, let's get out of here. We're going to Stad. And suddenly you're all in nine different 747s yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. that are wood paneled. It's fun. It's just You're fun to watch. Huge yacht in Croatia talking about who's gonna who's gonna sacrifice themselves for the company. Talking about really dark stuff. But we, you know, we're on this beautiful yacht in Croatia, but they can't even appreciate it. Also, right. by the way, Mr. Burns out after Homer is my favorite character on that show too. And I'm pretty sure that Kendall Roy is a young Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> that actually makes sense. It does, right? So so um that's that's fascinating <laughs> because and so we just have to wait 120 years. I think so. Because yeah. that's another game that we would play at The Simpsons was just making him, we would play with his age in a way that was impossible. Like, you did, know? wasn't he from like, um, 
Oh, oh, it's like Prussia or something. He's from. There's a couple episodes where they say where he's from, and it's some place that hasn't existed. Or right, right. I I, I don't remember that. Okay, and, and, I can't and, remember and where Simpsons it was. Fans are always mad at me that I can't remember this stuff. I, I blew it. I ruined the joke. Obviously, no, no, no. But that isn't it. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna think of it later or look it up and go. I but they also will always drop these things that when he was playing baseball, Honus Wagner was playing. And you're like, wait a minute, that would make you 140 years old. <laughs> um, but uh, it's fascinating to me that yes, I think Mr. Burns. If if Roman gets to be 110 years old, he's yeah. Mr. Burns. I like that. And yeah. um, and there's something really fascinating and lovable about someone who's evil, and then nothing's impossible because yeah. they can afford anything. And you find yourself. The reason I think too, I uh, compared Mr. Burns to Kendall Roy is like no matter how evil Mr. Burns is. You like you find these moments of feeling for him and going, oh, this poor lonely old man. You have to remind yourself, no, he's awful. Yeah, like, doesn't he like he screws Lisa out of a company that they made? And oh, just- he's constantly doing the yeah. worst thing possible. And one of my favorite lines that we came up with when I was working on The Simpsons, and this was I didn't think of it, and I wish I could remember who thought of it, but they they put together uh, a birthday party for Mr. Burns, and Smithers is trying, uh, you know, his best to give him everything that Mr. Burns would want. And makes the mistake of booking the Ramones to send Have a birthday song. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, and so he has. So the so the Ramones come out and go like sing a Ramones version of Happy Birthday, and then they yeah. And we actually got the Ramones to do it, and then at the end they drop the microphone and go like Happy Birthday, like you old buzzard, and go Mr. to hell, you old bastard. Yeah, go. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> you know this better than I do. And then I just love that Mr. Burns leans over and says. Have the Rolling Stones killed? And Smithers tries to correct him and go, oh, sir, that wasn't. He goes, do it. And Smithers goes, oh, and walks off. And you know that somewhere the Rolling Stones are being shot for something the Ramones did. I don't know. That is that is something, a, a that's what a Roy would do. I think do. a Roy would that do could that. That could be Roman. It could be Logan. It could be mm-hmm. Kendall. It could be any of them. But um, True. Yeah. I mean, that's funny that you say that because Logan Roy wouldn't know the difference. No, he would not. <laughs> and I think he could actually get that done. I think he could actually have the Rolling Stones killed if he wanted. <laughs> you know, am I right? I know your wife is from London. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. For years, I fantasized about living in another city mm-hmm. and specifically a European city mm-hmm. for a year. Yeah. And getting like a small apartment and just being a different person for it. Not, not a completely different person no. myself, but but yeah. just wandering the city and going to pay for something. And they're like, that'll be 35 pence. And I'm like, <laughs> pence? Oh, wow. <laughs> Goodness me. I'll have a chocolate, please. What you know? costs 35 pence? Uh, well, what can you get for 35 I'm, pence? I'm, it's not. A, I didn't say it was a good chocolate. It's a, <laughs> it's a really bad candy store. It's <laughs> okay. a terrible candy store where they're still selling what they call candy for 35 pence. <laughs> but there's part of me that when I visit London, um, specifically, I think, yeah, I would like to live here. And I know that you've sometimes thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, that. Also, you know, fantasize about Paris because my wife is actually, she's French, but mm-hmm. she was born and raised in England. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we had that. But my wife sort of has a love-hate relationship with London. It's sort of that thing where, you know, she can complain about her mother all day. And the moment I say something like, yeah, your mother's a mess. She goes, don't you, t-, you know. How then, dare, dare you? you. Yeah. I was like, no, I just meant she's messy. Like she unloaded her handbag all over the table and I have to clean it up. Not she's a crazy mess right. person. Um, but it's the same with London. Like I, you know, she loves it. I love it. I want to live there. Uh, but um, I think, I don't know. She sort of has a bad relationship with it, but I definitely want to live there. I'm trying to book a job out there just so we can live out there for a few months. I'm, I've am i been told by- You're picking roles based on location of where it's going to happen. I have not been able, I have not had the luxury of being able to do that, but wouldn't that be cool? Well, I again, uh, we have a lot of listeners around the globe. And right now there's some producers saying, we don't have a movie, but we're going to quickly make one. <laughs> Put it in that, London. Yeah. And, and, and I love the idea that you would say- um, you know, when, I don't know why I know this, but when the Beatles were making help and the script was being written, they just kept saying, shouting at the the person writing it places that they wanted to go. Oh, wow. Because, and they, and so they said, we want to go skiing, put, have it put it in Switzerland. And then literally three days later, they'd say, we want to go to the Caribbean. We want to go to Bermuda. And so I, help is all over the map. 
And there's no reason most of the time yeah. for them to be in these places, but it was these four most powerful people in the world. They could say whatever they want. They, and, and, and they were driving the boat. And I think, I'm, I don't want to creep you out, but I think you're approaching levels where you can say um, your next movie. I mean, all of Adam Sandler's movies are in Hawaii. <laughs> and I've, I've given him shit about it. I've been like, uh, you know, and even ones where it's like, uh, you know, about his, an adventure uh, in the Arctic. And he's like, it takes place in Hawaii. <laughs> and he's just, he loves Hawaii. All he's right. like, oh, buddy, I just love it. Oh, and the, the family, they love it. Uh, buddy, oh, Coney, Coney, Hawaii's great. And I just know that no matter what he does, he could do an English drawing room, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, be it's an Agatha like... Christie movie. It's, you know, <laughs> and that's what we're going to shoot is Murder on the Orient Express. Where are you shooting it? Maui, buddy. Oh, Maui. <laughs> maybe I should, maybe I should aim a little higher. I'm, I just want to go to London so I can eat Pizza Express. Like, what's my, what's my thought? I should be, I should, <laughs> should be aiming a little higher here. Yeah, I, uh, but I, I know what you're talking about. Buenos Aires, right? That's no. where I want to go? Well, I'm also a sucker for any time, um, any, I remember once uh, I think some kids like probably had a bake sale in London and they were fans of they were somehow seeing what I was doing and they were fans of it and they made up an award and they said you know if you come to if you come to Dublin we'll give you the, the and then made up award I don't know what it was and I, I flew over there <laughs> you did? just because I wanted to go to Dublin <laughs> you and wanted the award I, well no nah, yeah the award was fine but I mostly just want I loved and I remember my wife at the time saying what is this award again <laughs> <laughs> that looks that looks like something they made an hour ago and I'm like quiet yeah. this is a high honor to be awarded this trophy. <laughs> well, you used to travel with your show, with your shows yeah, a lot. Yeah. Was it for that reason? Was like, I, I just need to get out of the city for a while. I need yes, to, I yeah. used to try. I used to love uh, getting on the road. I love a theater. Yeah. So I love, I am a frustrated vaudevillian. I'm, I love a theater. I love uh, sound check. I love people being coming in and, and taking their seats. Yeah. It just makes me so happy. I like cruddy backstage yep. dressing rooms that you know that's very humbling is i don't care what theater you you perform at in this country if you're backstage at the chicago theater you're or you're mm -hmm. backstage at really any vaudeville 20s theater um your dressing room is usually pretty small and there's like exposed pipes yep. and the rug is really dirty. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, that's the Beacon Theater here in uh, in New York. It's hard to take that in sometimes, especially like when I've done Broadway and stuff, it's hard for me to really take in how old the building is or how many people have been here. But the one time I did was on Studio 8H. Like yes. every, I feel like every moment of being on that stage or in the dressing room or even in the bathroom, just thinking like, who's pissed in this toilet, you know? Right. Like, but, right. but really it was like that kind of feeling. You could feel the 47 years of that show. This is the other thing. I was talking to someone yesterday, a friend of mine, and I was having a memory of Sound Out Live when they brought, they brought me in on, and my writing partner in on sort of a trial basis. Like, we'll give you two weeks and see how you do. And we did well. And I was really, I was, I think, 24. And then we got the word that you have, you got the job, so you, we'll need you back here in a week and, you're, and we're not going to pay for your, you know, hotel anymore. They put us up at a hotel, right. but now you've got a real job, so you need a place to live. And so I decided I'm going to call a friend of mine, this woman I knew, Lynette, and see if she has, knows of a place. And I told the story, I, it's on 8H, I walk through the doors out of the studio because I know I have to call my friend Lynette, try and get an apartment. I walk down that hallway everyone knows it's outside mm -hmm. where so many sketches happen or cold mm -hmm. openings i walk down into a, a wooden telephone booth i tell this story and i sound like i'm 109 i sound like mr burns like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 190 years old like edison why i i interned for him um i walk into this phone booth and opened it up and the little light came on and i closed it and i dialed lynette's number and talked to her because there's no, I didn't have a cell phone. Right. No one has a cell phone. I mean, a few people had them and they, you can see them on Wall Street. They're right, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like that always dates <laughs> movies for head. me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Someone says, you're through. I'm going to make a call. And you be, and then they pick up a phone that immediately takes you out of the movie. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I called them on my car phone. That's another one too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was this iconic moment. And I remembered thinking at the time, who's used this phone booth? Because I know yeah. that phone booth, that phone booth looked like it was there from, since the 40s. So you yeah. know, anyone who's done anything, like Jerry Lewis, when he was right. guest hosting, you know, on The Tonight Show, used this phone booth. A anybody who was in Rockefeller Center used this right. phone booth, and I'm in there, 
That's now cool. I tell people, you ever go to the old phone booth and make a call? And they they just laugh at me. The phone yeah. booth is gone. Is it? Um, is it is, is, I think I'm it's assuming gone. it's gone by now. Yeah. I mean, that's a shame. You got to, but I don't know. Or maybe something. they've switched it so it's like a vaping center. It's like a vaping room you can go into. You know, <laughs> it's got some modern, they got rid of the phone, but you can go in there and yeah. meditate or something. There's There was a sign that I looked up and saw uh, way up to the side. It just says there's this area where it's very easy to hit your head. And it's like a. I'm 5'7", and I would have whacked my head in it if mm-hmm. there wasn't this big sign that says, watch your head. Mm-hmm. And then next to it, written in pen, somebody wrote Farley. Yeah. Because yeah. apparently, and I saw that, and I'm like, that's great. And I took a picture of it, and um, I believe it was Alex Moffat was like, hey, did you see the the sign? I said, yeah. He goes, isn't that cool? And I said, I took, and he told me the story of it. Apparently, he just kept hitting his head on that wall, and so they made a joke, and it's still there, and there's all this other, these drawings and stuff, and you just feel the history of it. Sarah Sherman, who's new to the show, she looked at it, and she goes, Oh my God, is that what that is? I've never seen that before. Oh, wow. And I got to watch her have this moment as like an SNL cast member. She got to have a moment of that's amazing. You know, I don't know. Sometimes you feel like when you watch these shows, these people might not care about it or something, or they might not have because it's work, you know. But um, my experience anyway with the cast is they seem to really care and they seem to be still very excited about being on that studio doing their job. Nobody can work in Rockefeller Center and not – I had the privilege of working there 20 years. You can't work in Rockefeller Center and not every day think this is – the a temple of mm-hmm. broadcasting and kind of an era that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. People were making stuff here in the 40s. Yeah. You know, during World War II, they were making radio here and then TV when it's born is made out of Rockefeller Center. So I know Lorne has always had, he has great taste in a lot of things, but I know that that show has to come from that building. Yeah. If some accountant came along and said, you realize it doesn't really make sense to do it from Rockefeller Center anymore, so we're going to start doing it, yeah, you know, no. from it. No, it's got to be there. It's got to be in that particular studio. Yeah. And it tried to take that in. That's another one that was hard to take in. I mean, that week flies by so fast, but at one point, uh, went into Lauren's office. It's just like the check-in the day before, mm-hmm. I guess. He wants to see how the host is doing, make sure he's not having a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and he walked me out to where the seats were and yep. he gave me a brief history of the building and I got to tell you right now I couldn't repeat one fact back to you of what he said because I was too busy going this is amazing he's telling me the history of the studio yeah well he also it, farts loudly and constantly <laughs> Probably made it very hard to pay attention. That's probably that's one was. thing you never hear about. I want to show, and then just huge eruptions, and you can't hear them. Um, Every room that he was in had a basket of popcorn. I noticed. Yes, that, yes, with yeah. little cups next to it. Yeah, I was like, oh, this one has a popcorn. Oh no, no, that's oh, gone back. Really? You know, yeah, since I mean, that was in my time, and I think probably goes back to seventy-five. There was always, there's always, uh, and there are people who's career is making popcorn. <laughs> and I would see, I would be in a room talking to someone and I would see the popcorn in the corner where, oh, Lauren's about to come in. Like they, the they popcorn's the popcorn. fresh. Yeah. yeah, the popcorn gets there. It's like the president, yeah. you know, the nuclear football is always in the room when the president shows up just in case he needs to launch. Lauren's the same thing, but it's popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Unsalted, no butter. He was quite extraordinary to like, to, to see really, I, you've been told by people how hands-on he is, but um, just to see it, in person, just yeah. to see how hands-on he is with everything. And he was quite kind. He was like, he made sure that I felt like I could speak up because I just kept going, I'm walking into your guy's show, you know, been doing it forever. I don't want to say anything. Even if I had an opinion, I'd keep it to myself. But he would make sure, what do you think, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think it's because of that, 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 that sketch about being in the turkey suit, I feel like almost didn't make it. And I said, hey, I really wanted to do that one, but it's fine. If you got, if it gets cut, that's fine. But it's at your opinion, the host's opinion means a lot. And I didn't know that. as a writer, I uh, profited from that and sometimes got, well, at the time thought I got screwed because <laughs> I'd have a sketch that did okay, but the host, for whatever reason, didn't want to be wearing bicycle shorts or right. had something that they didn't, or they weren't featured that much in it. And the yeah. host might say, yeah, maybe we could lose the bicycle thing. And I've been working on it all week and it did well. And then the bicycle thing just goes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. you're crushed. I would take the train home and just like, my career is over. Oh, man. My sketch where the host wears bicycle pants was cut. Because <laughs> you get one shot and it's not like you can do it with another host. Like, you can it. bring it back, but there's a, there's, there's a little bit of a death stench on a sketch that makes it to- Air. Air. I mean, makes it to uh, dress, dress and gets cut. Yeah. Okay. If it if it makes the table read but gets cut, you can bring it back again. Yes, but you yes, gotta, you can. Can you bring it back the very next week or do you kind of like- Not really. I mean, in my day, look, again- 
you're asking um, an old coal miner how Uber works. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Well, in my day, you know, the cameras were quite large. The cameramen sat in them. They were the size of cars. My typewriters uh, had the ink. <laughs> <laughs> Always have ink, young man. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really am from a different time, so I don't know. I'm sure there are people that work at SNL now that are like, why is Conan pontificating about how the show works? I honestly... I honestly don't know how the show works anymore. <laughs> You've hosted as well, right? I hosted, yeah. When was the last um, time you went and did that? I, I, geez, I think it was the year 2000. Okay. I think, that, I, think I did it then. And, In the um, year 2000. I know. And uh, nice. it's crazy, but it was – there are a lot of people listening now who weren't born – when I hosted SNL. Oh my gosh. And I'm um, able to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have people working for me that weren't born when I started the show. Yeah. Uh, how does that make you feel? Uh, actually, I'm okay. Or old? I'm okay. No, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm actually really fine with it. I'm that rare person that sort of is proud that I'm 58 and I've kicked around for a long time and I'm still having fun. So yeah, I don't good. like to pretend that I'm a different age. I I like to. I like that I've got a bunch of scars and I've knocked around, but I've also had a ton of fun and still having fun. So you can feel that, by the way, when I listen to the show, I can see like this is still this is still the Conan that I loved when I was a kid. Yeah, you know, no, I like I like it to be I I like it to be silly and 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 like I say, I'm very. It isn't lost on me. You talk about taking things in. Um, You know, we're taping this in New York, and when I heard that you were going to do it, I was excited because I'm such a big fan of your work and just wanted to talk to you. And it's selfish, but the idea that, oh, I'm gonna, last night I was telling my wife, like, yeah, tomorrow I'm Kieran Culkin. And she's like, oh, that's so cool. And I can tell, okay, my stock just went up with my wife. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Things are are that precarious. Maybe she forgot about the whole diaper incident. So, you know. (laughs) That's still burned into her mind. That's that's forever. But um, it's not lost on me that I get a lot of, it almost sounds like I'm a vampire, but um, young people like yourself that are really good at what they do and also seem to be nice people, that, energizes me. Like I oh, get, cool. I, 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 it's, it's nice. Like I'm going to, I'm going to feel good the rest of the day. Cause I had this oh, nice talk great. with you and, um, uh, and that we really didn't have to pay you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're losing money yeah. every second you're talking to me. Yeah. Um, I know that, uh, am I getting reimbursed for my Uber or no, no, no. no okay. Good luck All to right. you. Yeah. Um, oh, well. as I told you, I don't even know what Uber is. <laughs> We, I have a horse and carriage waiting for me outside, young man. Uh, this has been as good and fun and cool as I hoped it would be, uh, which is really saying something. Um, but, uh, Kieran, I'm just very happy for you. You're just killing it out there. Gosh, and you. you're, uh, and like I say, I think um, I'm excited to see the stuff that you do. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you got to this place where you are doing this really good work and you're able to appreciate it and appreciate, you know, the whole fame thing is so hard for people to negotiate and you took your time and waited it out and it's all come in the right way. I think that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Kind of ignoring it. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, but it's, you know, people sort of at the moment, people will sort of come on, on the street and say something and I just, it doesn't freak me out. I guess maybe I would have, it would have yeah. Scared me when I was younger. When I saw that, I think I just know how to handle it a little more. I just don't. Yeah, I think you grew into it. Care, yeah, because uh, it's for the most part, especially in New York, people are just like, "Oh, cool, you're the guy from that thing." Yeah, right on. See you. Like <laughs> it's not, it's not like a big deal. It's not like creeps or you know, right. you know. I had a woman that was I, I, I once I was walking down the street and this, you know, seemed like she was about sixty five years old. She saw me and she went, "Hey, you're Conrad Orion from the radio." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no one's been so wrong about so many things in such a concise sentence. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not Conrad Orion and I'm not on the, I mean, now I am on the radio, so I should just change. <laughs> just <laughs> Conrad Orion. I, she's a soothsayer. She actually I, told the truth. I got a really good one for you. Somebody went up to my brother, Rory, mm-hmm. uh, right after Igby Goes Down came out soon after and just said, uh, oh, I just saw, uh, I just saw Rugbert Goes Home with your brother, Merkin Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> Rugbert goes home starring with Merkin, Merkin Culkin. Culkin. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Wrong about every every word is wrong. And that's hard to do. It is. In one sense. You think good. accidentally they'd get something yeah. right. Nope. 
Well, um, hey, uh, look, best of continued success and good things for you and congrats you. on your family. And when you get that gig uh, in London, <laughs> you know, I just want to I want to live like across the street. That know? sounds good. I'll, I'll yeah. try to get us both booked on the same show. Whatever it is. <laughs> How about you get, you're going to get a really good part in a, in a stage production of something in London. And I could, if you got me, I will pay my own freight. Just where I have a walk on is like a butler who hands, <laughs> and then in the background, and of course I steal focus. I look at, at the audience and they don't know who I am. They're from London. They're like, what the fuck is, why is. <laughs> strange man is hamming it up for the crowd. <laughs> why is that very tall woman pulling focus in this play? And then the reviews are all a wonderful triumph, with the exception of the butler. With the exception of the butler, who kept bringing on the masturbating bear when he wasn't getting the laugh. <laughs> this has been a dream come true, man. Yeah, Thank yeah. you so cool. much. Thank you so much. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one market. Margarita, premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel Sona, I don't know about you, but I got a text this morning that said, assemble the team. We're doing a recording that I didn't even really know was going to happen. And it felt like when the special squad gets assembled, regardless of what they're doing in their lives, you drop everything. And, you know, you and I have three babies between yeah. us. I dropped and, one uh, of my babies. Yeah. <laughs> was it Mikey or Charlie? Which one Which one did you drop? I mean, who knows at this point? I don't know. Well, one you're, of a, them. you're a terrific mom. Uh <laughs> I threw my baby across the air like a football to my wife and said, Conan needs me. Literally, you know, Batman has his bat signal. Um, and I have something that's yes. even cooler, which is an email chain that says, I'd like us all to meet at your convenience. Now, that doesn't sound as cool as a bat signal, but think about no. it in its own way, it is. No, it's You realize the modern Batman would just get a text. The bat signal's stupid. Right. It really I mean, is, yeah. the modern Batman's just going to be on a text chain, and Commissioner Gordon's going to be like, "Yo, Riddler robbed a museum," and then Batman's <laughs> going to be like on it, and then emoji like, you know, uh, what, that shows the teeth. Oh like yeah, the like, emoji. Ooh, emoji. Or that one with the hands up, like, what can <laughs> I yeah, do? what can I do? Yeah, like, yeah, busy. I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with the Joker. You handle the Riddler. Well, this is like you're in the big metropolis right now. We're yeah, let me explain places. what's happening. I have come to New York City. Um, I made up this, it's kind of funny, but you know, 25 years ago, I just started calling it the Big Apple and it caught on. Oh, Jesus. That was me. Nice so, job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why is it called the Big Apple? Oh, I'll tell you why. It's just a funny in-joke. Yeah, why the apple? Friends. Why not like a banana? Well, it was going to be the rutabaga. <laughs> yeah, <King Kong. laughs> it was rutabaga and then we decided to change it. That's a good But idea. anyway- um, I did that. I called it the Big Apple, and then it just caught on. Huh. Like a lot of things I invented, streaking. I started that in the 70s. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, because I bet you streaked in the 70s when you were like, what, nine? Yeah, oh, God. I did. I started it when I was nine, and people thought it was disgusting. Um, I just looked like a kid who didn't have any clothes. My point is this, and I always say that after a particularly stupid run. Uh, I'm in New York City uh, to do some uh, fantastic podcast interviews, so I've flown here. I went to Boston first, visited my family, drank a lot of Dunkin' Donuts and high-fived people wearing Boston Red Sox caps, then flew to New York last night, and now I'm in New York. And this means that at this moment, I have more edge and grit than either of you two, because you two are both back in LA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which means we have a lot more chill. Yeah, we're chill. Yeah, you guys have a lot yeah. of chill, and you probably just had your avocado cool. toast. Yep. And um, I had an avocado bath. <laughs> yeah, you had a bath in avocado, fresh pureed avocado, while you were reading the trades about you know the box office <laughs> openings in the weekend. That's me and But girls. I'm here in New York. Excuse me. I'm so? sorry, I'm saying, yeah, that's what we do. We read trades. Yeah, you're always yeah. reading the trades. Like, yeah. oh, you know, this pick just fill, you know, 
did well. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, uh, whoa. Whoa. Just a headline. <laughs> Are you a well. finance bro right now where you don't understand the industry? I just don't really. You've I'm never more of an, read a variety before. <laughs> I'm an artist. Yeah. I'm an artist. Uh-huh. I just create. It's up to you guys to read your trades. <laughs> you just oh. doing some gorilla street theater right now? Hey, that's me. Me and Banksy. We're always out doing our thing. We're real. But okay. my point is that I'm in New York right now. I've been walking around. I've got edge. I've got grit. Ugh. I feel it right now. And and you two feel very weak and weak. yeah, uncultured oh. compared to me. I just walked past a couple of museums. You've been there for really like walk. six hours. I know. Yeah, and you've been sleeping most of that. <laughs> yes. But in a very gritty hotel. I'd like to mention, by the way, that you're wearing the most cozy, like uh, Target Greatland plaid black watch button up. You look like someone from Home Alone. You're very sweet and cozy looking. That's not gritty. Listen, I'm doing my best to hide my grit from my audience, which has never seen me like this. I'm like Charles Bronson right now in Death Wish. Oh my God. <laughs> I am. I am a gritty, tough no, urban cone. No, your life wish. What? <laughs> Corley, you're just the opposite of Death Wish. You're like just Mr. Mr. Love right now. No, I don't know. I look, am not. You just texted that was terrible. us with the you're not Conan Death Wish. Your life email wish. chain. That's the worst. I, that's I the worst comeback up. I've ever heard. It's Death true. Wish. Look at me. More like I'm in Life a, like, Wish. <laughs> that's awful. That you know what? That's that was spoken like a guy oh who's sitting in 80 degree weather, yeah. and he's wearing you know, hey, whatever. I don't know what I'm wearing. I just threw on a t-shirt. I'm going to walk to the corner and get a, you know, a, a smoothie and so, just enjoy the good vibes. Listen to the Beach Boys. Oh, I'm so here nice. in the shit, okay? Oh. I am here. This studio I'm in right now is uh, surrounded, surrounded on all sides by, um, you know, roving gangs. What? Uh, yeah. No, no, I've been yeah. to that You're studio. It's a really nice area of Manhattan. You know, yeah. it's. I, I think that you- We're right across the street from Bryant Park, which is where all the models yeah. assemble during fashion week. Yes. This area is, is tough. No. This is no, a tough that's area. That's also Christmas time. I've been to Bryant Park and there's like kiosks with delicate little lights serving you pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah, yeah those things are no really. joke. That's scary. <laughs> I'm just telling no. you, and I- I was disappointed because I really wanted it to be grittier because I'm really into the idea that I get a lot of grit and toughness when I come to New York. And the first thing I see when I step into Bryant Park is they're serving pumpkin spice lattes and supermodels are walking around. Yeah. And uh, I just became enraged. So I just was like, I can't handle this, man. New York needs some grit. And so I tipped over the pumpkin spice latte kiosk. What the hell? You mean just like Charles Bronson? Exactly. Just like Charles Bronson. I said, latte, I don't think so. This isn't death wish. This is life wish. (laughs) And then the person at the kiosk, the person at the kiosk said, what a lame thing to say. (laughs) And I went, I'm quoting Corley. Uh, Yeah, no, I just want you to know that if you pick up an edge or a toughness or a grit or sort of an urban desperation in my voice. It's because I'm in New York City right now. I don't know. You know what? You know what? If you ever tip over a latte thing, not only would you help pick it up, but you would pay them and you would profusely apologize. <laughs> I would. And you might even Unless try you were holding it, Sona, he would do it to you. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's true. If you were holding a latte, I'd knock it out of your hand. Yeah. Yeah. First, I'd check to make sure it wasn't too hot. I don't want anyone oh, to be burned. That's so kind no. of you. I mean, if you're burned, it's fine. But oh, anyone I don't else? Want anyone else burned? Oh, okay. I oh, got it. Got it. You can't sue me. You. I have too much dirt on you. I have dirt on you. I can sue you. I'm mm. compiling a case against you, and Gorley's going to oh. be one of my witnesses. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> can I dress like this for court? Yes. You know what's great? It's going to be in like California. Me. Of course, you can. Yeah. Yeah. You can. <laughs> the judge will uh, admonish you for not wearing sandals. <laughs> I fine you for not wearing sandals. <laughs> Most court sessions take place at the beach now. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. Do you really feel more gritty when you go to New York? I kind of do. I walk around. It's it's I, I I do my best to pretend it's 1970s New York, and that's hard mm. because on every block there's three places to buy cupcakes. <laughs> and right. I'm always trying to block that out. I'm always trying to pretend that I'm Charles Bronson and that I'm just barely surviving. But it's yeah. tough when people are, you know, offering you a a free taste of a new delicious yogurt <laughs> juice every thirty steps. Anyway, 
Uh, let's wrap this up because I don't know how long I have to live here in the Big Apple, a name I coined. <laughs> it's pretty gritty. Well, your return flight is later this week, so. <laughs> First class. Yeah, we'll be back. Please. In- yeah, but I may wander back to use the bathroom in coach. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's literally taking my life in my hands. <laughs> you know, anything can go down. Occasionally, every now and then, I just like to wander back there, use the bathroom, and just tell people I live on the edge. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently. Acapella.edu.